And so here we are continuing our study through the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 7, verse 7. And uh, as we start, uh, we'll put a picture up here on the screen. And here's a question. Do you have trouble asking for directions? Do you have trouble asking for directions? You know, maybe like this young man here who's out hiking and uh, he's backpacking and he's kind of looking at his map and he's trying to figure out where to go next and which direction that would be. Could you imagine if a map, if if a map that you had, a paper map that you had, somehow it was this, let's call it a magical paper map, and you opened it up and it only told you where you were. That wouldn't help you. If it just would go, you were here, you were here, you were here. Thank you, that doesn't help me. It wouldn't help you if it also said, you want to go here. That's great, but what I really want to know is where am I right now? And so I don't know where you stand in this. I don't know if you have trouble asking for directions, but I know that I do. You know, please don't be this guy. One, one reason, really important, you're in the middle of the road. Don't ever stand in the middle of the road and look at a paper map. Uh, when I was growing up in New York, I developed this attitude, and here was the attitude. I never wanted to look, I, I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was doing. It's a double negative, but I think you understand it. Uh, for the idea of not knowing what I was doing, I didn't want anybody to ever see me with that look on my face. Um, and it wasn't so much that I cared about what other people thought about me, it was more that growing up in New York, I didn't want to be an easy target. What I mean is, example is, you know, you're kind of walking down the street in Manhattan and you take a wrong turn and you realize, oh, okay, that was on, you know, 3rd Avenue and 15th Street. Great. And I just passed it. Oh, the avenues, I'm too, oh, I need to, you you don't stop, do this and turn around or, you know, look lost. Heaven forbid you do this. At that point, you're a target. You look like you don't know where you're going. So growing up there, I just realized if you're lost, you just keep going and you try to, as you're going, make a correction and try to get back to where you need to go. So I couldn't stand having that feeling of being lost and I never wanted anybody to ever think that I was lost. Now, I would like to say that as I've grown older, been married, have children, that I've overcome this this feeling of ever wanting to you know, ask for directions, you know, that I can humble myself to do that. And I just have to tell you that that's a bit challenging at times, even for me. I know for all of you, you're like, ah, no problem. Directions are fine. Some of you, it's not fine. Because the truth is asking for directions can be humbling. It can be very humbling and wait for it. It can be very humbling for a prideful person. Maybe that's why I don't like asking for directions. Because it would expose that I don't want people to think that I don't know what I'm doing. Today's message uh, is an acronym. And the title of today's message is A-S-K. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7. We'll be in the 7th verse there. Let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, as we come before you this morning, we thank you that we can humble ourselves before you. We thank you that in your word you instruct us to humble ourselves before you so that we might spiritually ask for directions. This morning I just pray for the believer. I pray that as we hear these words, Papa, that we would be reminded that we should continue to seek you. And for the non-believer, 
for the one who isn't sure where they stand with you, I pray that they would consider your words this morning and would consider asking you for directions. We love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 If you haven't guessed it, today we're going to be talking about the subject of prayer. And spiritually, when you're asking for directions, you're praying, you're talking to God. And it's a two-way conversation because asking for directions is not really good when the person is never giving you a response back. So prayer is more than just a one-way, it's not a conversation, it's just not a one-way, you know, speech, if you will. This is, if you've been following along, this is the second time in this sermon, the sermon Jesus is giving, known as the Sermon on the Mount. This is the second time he's decided to talk about prayer. And I love teaching through the Bible because when you teach through the Bible, you start to notice certain things you may not if you teach topically. And what you notice in the sermon is that twice Jesus is talking about prayer. If Jesus is going to repeat a topic again, it must be important. This message is not going to be everything about prayer. We um, did a partial message about what prayer was about when, we, when Jesus first mentioned it. And this was back in February of this year. It was Matthew chapter 6, verses uh, 5 through 15. And the message was called, uh, Pray with the Right Heart. And so if you want to hear a little bit more about what Jesus said in the first half of the Sermon on the Mount about prayer, you can go online to our website and you can listen to that message. So this message follows along as Jesus mentions prayer now a second time. Let's read what Jesus says. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. All right. Asking, seeking, knocking. Real easy way to remember that. And it's just great that the English language works out this way with our translation. You can remember the three things Jesus is saying by that acronym. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. And the thing with the very first step about asking is you have to humble yourself to ask. There's a picture here of a, a character who's in a little bit of a predicament. You know, and, it's, and, and how many times have we found ourselves in a predicament like this? We don't want to let go of our pride. We don't want to let go of, I don't want people to know that I... The problem is it's taking up your capacity to reach and grab for the help that is available God's hand is available to us, but sometimes one of our hands are holding on for dear life to what we've got going on right now, and the other one is holding on to our pride. And God says, let that go. Ask, seek, knock, ask. How do I ask? You have to let it go. A prideful person can't ask. A prideful person won't ask because they're prideful. But a humble person can go, I got another hand here. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Can grab on. I'm convicted by that. How many times do I want to be right when I really don't know what I'm doing? 
when I'm really just hanging on and Jesus is just saying, let it go. Not that hand, <laughs> let, let go of this <laughs> and grab my hand. So, okay, this is great. Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. Sweet. I love it. I can ask anything, right? I can name anything I want, right? And then I can claim anything I want, right? Is that what he means? Pastor needs a new private jet. Like, come on, right? I mean, it says it right here. We just read these verses, guys. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Oh, I cannot wait for the service to be over. The list of things that I will ask Jesus that he is just going to give me. Well, if you take that attitude or if you've ever read the verse that way and then you start asking and you don't receive, you may go, God, you're a liar. Jesus, you're a liar here. You, you said I could ask anything. There's some who wrongly teach that, yes, you can just ask whatever you want and God will give it to you. No, 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 that's no. no. Let me make it clear again. No, that's not what the point is here. Why is it sometimes when we ask, we don't receive? Here's sometimes, this is the reason why. It's in the book of James. It's on the screen. James chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Okay, great. I just need to ask. Next verse. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Oh. Some don't have because they don't ask. That was the end of verse 2. But some, even after they ask, don't have because they're asking with the wrong heart. They want things for themselves. It's a selfish thing. And it's, it's for their own passions. <clears throat> okay. Well, how do I ask properly then? Because Jesus did say, ask and it'll be given to you. So as a follower of his, I want to learn how to ask God properly. Okay. First John three twenty two. John writes and he says, whatever we ask, we receive from him. Why? Because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Got it. So we're asking to receive something from God, but the whole point of it is because we keep his commandments and what pleases him. So we're asking according to God's commandments, never against God's commandments. And we're asking in such a way that it will be pleasing to me, pleasing to God. So as far as that, if it's something that's in line with God's guidance, commandments, directions, and if it's something that pleases God, and how do you know that? By what his word says, you can ask away. And you know what? God will provide. He will take care of those things. It's very important that we, we ask properly. It's not for us. It's for God. It's for his glory. Remember, this is just the second half of a sermon Jesus has given. So he's really built up a lot about prayer already. <clears throat> here's one more. If you're asking with the right heart, here's what you can do with prayer. You can come to God with a confidence because you're asking properly. First John 5, 14, John also continues about prayer and he says this, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That is quite a huge statement. That last part there, if we ask anything according to his will, he will hear us. 
You want some guaranteed prayers answer? Pray according to the will of God. Oh, wow. If I pray according to God's will, those prayers will be answered. So here's the question. I wonder what God's will is. That we need to ask him. We need to seek him. We need to find it. We look in the word of God and we can get to know the heart of God. What are some prayers that you can pray? God, I pray that my unsaved family member will come to know you. Should you pray that? Yes. Yes, you should pray that. It's a good prayer. Is that a prayer after God's heart? Yes, it is. God doesn't desire that any would be lost, but that all would be saved. So can you pray that prayer? Yes, you can. You'd be in the will of God to pray that prayer. You can't pray God for somebody to love you because that is against the character of God. God doesn't force anybody. So you can't pray, oh God, just make them a Christian. It doesn't work that way. Because you, if you're a Christian, he didn't just make you a Christian. He gave you a choice. You were presented with a choice. So what we pray for those that don't know Christ is that they would recognize that they have a choice and they would realize the reality of the outcome of those two choices. Because I think when you see that, you go, wait, an eternity apart from my creator, apart from the one who loves me, or an eternity with him, fully satisfied in his presence. Um, not a hard decision. But they may not have the true perspective of those two paths. So we can pray, God, can you please allow them to see the choice that they have? You can also pray this, God, can you convict them of their sin? If you have a wayward child, God, can you convict my child of their sin? Can you speak into their heart in a way that they can understand so that, and can you remind them that they can always turn back to you? Oh, is that a prayer according to the will of God? Yes, it is. God loves prodigals. You pray that prayer. You pray that prayer. And so the thing is, we're not praying that God forces people to do anything, but we're praying that there'd be choices there for people that they would realize the opportunities they have. You know, the idea of, of asking God, again, is that you're humbling yourself. You are saying that you're not God and you need his help. Well, I'm going to look foolish. You know, I've been a Christian for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and I feel like I should be further along, and I feel really foolish asking for help. Here's a Chinese proverb that I saw that just made me smile. Look at this one here. I think we might have it. He who asks is a fool for five minutes, but he who does not ask remains a fool forever. Listen, if you've been a Christian for decades and decades, you're like, I should be further along. Okay, fine, great. Now the question is, what will you do today? Don't let your lack of asking in the past keep you from asking today. Don't let the enemy lie to you and go, I've gone so far in your life, you should already know this by now, but you don't. Don't ask anybody. They're going to think you're foolish. What? Even if they do at the very worst, five minutes, that'll go by. But don't be the fool forever. So Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Okay, asking is one thing. Seeking is a different thing. Seeking is, it's a little bit more active, if you will. All of a sudden, you're starting to look around. The asking, you're, you can stop wherever you're at and go, God, I need your help. Please help me with this situation. I am inadequate. I cannot do it. Okay, you've done that part. You've prayed according to the will of God. Great. Now what do you do? Well, now I just sit back, twiddle my thumbs and wait for God to do his thing. 
Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. You have another thing to do now. A-S-K. The S, seek. You have to start looking now. Now that you've prayed, active prayer is now looking. What am I looking for? I'm looking for God answering my prayer. It's been said, you know, if you pray for Aunt Sally, you know, that she would get better, that she would be healed. Okay, great. God, I just ask that you would please touch her body and please bring a, bring a healing into her body. Great. That's a good prayer to pray. Absolutely. Okay, I guess we're done now. No, you need to seek. How do I seek? You call Aunt Sally. Hey, Aunt Sally, how are you doing? Just praying for you. How are you feeling? Seek. Seek. Don't just stop with talking to God. It's, this is more involved than just that. So you then seek God in his way. There's a long quote that's going to come on the screen here, and I want to read it to you. This was from a, a man named Francis Fenlon. And Francis Fenlon is speaking about prayer here. And he was a Roman Catholic missionary. He says this, Tell God all that is in your heart as one uploads one's heart. Now, the interesting thing about this quote is this quote is 300 years old. It's interesting that he used the word uploads. I just think it's awesome. Tell God all that is in your heart as one uploads one's heart. It's pleasures and it's pains. This is the conversation that you should have with God. To a dear friend, tell him your troubles that he may comfort you. Tell him your joys that he may sober them. Tell him your longings that he may purify them. Tell him your dislikes that he may help you conquer them. Tell him your temptations that he may shield you from them. Show him the wounds of your heart that he may heal them. Lay bare your indifference to good. I don't care what good is anymore. Your depraved taste for evil, your instability. Tell him all this stuff. Wait, that's not good stuff. Exactly. Tell him that stuff too. Tell him how self-love makes you unjust to others. How vanity tempts you to be insincere. How pride disguises you to yourself and to others. Oh, we're getting real now. Yeah, we're getting real. He's not done yet. If you thus pour out all your weakness, needs, troubles, there will be no lack of what to say. You're not going to run out of things to talk to God about if you're being honest and pouring your heart out. Sometimes you get the idea that you can hear the phrase, well, I don't know what to pray. Well, if you open up your heart and pour it out, there's a lot of stuff you can pray about. You will never exhaust the subject. It is continually being renewed. People who have no secrets from each other never want for subjects of conversation. Meaning, if you're open with another person, you can talk with them about anything. Shouldn't that be the way it is with the child of God and the Father? And then it goes on, they do not weigh their words. You don't have to like, let me figure out how I'm going to say this to you. You can just say it to a true friend. You know you can just say how you feel to God. He can handle it. He can handle you. They do not weigh their words for there's nothing held back. Neither do they seek for something to say. They talk out of the abundance of the heart without consideration. They say just what they think. Blessed are they who attain to such a familiar, unreserved speech with God. Francis Fenelon. Man, I read that and I was convicted. I, I do like to, you know, uh, at times put on a certain, you know, like, well, God, you know, I've really thought about how I'm going to bring this to you. And so now I'm going to bring this to you and such. And sometimes God's like, what's going on? Like a father will with their child. Dad, I was thinking about it and I thought about some possibility. Son, just talk. Just talk. 
He can handle it. I think sometimes we try to formulate and get everything packaged just right before we present it to God. You know what God wants? God wants the raw you. He doesn't want you sanitized because the truth is you can't sanitize yourself. You can't. If you're mad, you're mad. If you're frustrated, you're frustrated. And of all people, do we think we're really fooling God? He can handle it. He wants you to be straight with Him. You know, in Proverbs, we see verses like this. Proverbs 8, 17. I love those who love me and those who seek diligently find me. God wants you to seek him. You've talked to him, you've prayed to him, but now he wants you to seek. He wants you to take action. Look for him. And if you look diligently, you will find him. Verses like this are my, um, they bring peace to my heart for the non-believer in this sense. I encourage non-believers, listen, if you want to know if Jesus is real or not, you really look to see if he's real or not. Go and look to find the truth. And I know this because this is what Proverbs says and then Jesus also says this too. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So it really comes down to whether the person is really seeking after God or not. Because if they truly are, Jesus says, they'll find me. I'm not here to play hide and seek so that you can't find me. But you have to put some effort into it. You have to want to know me. Well, what is it like for the person who's holding on to that bag of pride, holding on to the cliff, and they're going, I don't want to seek God. Look at Psalms 10, verse 4. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. That's a character of the wicked. They do not seek God. And look at the thoughts of the wicked. All his thoughts are, there is no God. That's what pride will do. Pride will cause you to go, I'm not going to ask anybody for help. I'm not going to ask God for help. I don't seek him because there isn't any God. Well, God has an opinion about that. And you know, Hebrews tells us this too. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. There is a reward to seeking God. There is a reward for you reading his word, for you looking for him, for you being obedient when he opens up opportunities and you're going, I don't know if I want to do that. Well, it isn't about what you want to do or don't want to do. It's about what God has opened for you. Okay, Lord, I'm going to seek your will in this. I'm going to take a step forward in faith. I'm going to go forward. Okay, so our acronym ASK, ask, seek, knock. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. And so knocking is an interesting thing. I don't know, if you come to a door, do you knock first? Do you, if there's a doorbell, do you look for a doorbell? We live in a modern world with, you know, doorbells and things like that. But, you know, back in their day, you'd come to a certain door and you'd, you want to make your presence known. You're not just going to open the door. I mean, unless it's your own home or something like that. You're going to, you're going to knock And knocking implies something. It implies that there's a little bit of resistance. What do you mean? Well, you never knock if the door's open, right? The door's open, it's an invitation to come in. So if you come to a door that you have to knock at, it's closed. Oh. So Jesus is saying that there's going to be some closed doors in life, but they're only closed until you knock on them. Oh, is this every door? No, again, remember what the verses we read before, according to his will, that which pleases God, all those things, right? So it's not just, oh, I'm going to do this thing that's absolutely opposed to God. I'm going to knock on that door and that door opened. Um, You know that there's an enemy that hates you, right? Who would love for you to knock on the wrong door and he'd go, he'll answer and go, hey, come on in. 
Come on in. Don't be so naive where you go, it must be God because the door opened. It might be the enemy because he opened the door for you. Don't be foolish. Be wise. God will never have you walk through a door that is contrary to his character and to his word. That's why it's important for you to know his word. So you're going to have to interact with this door. You're going to have to make contact with this door and you're going to have to knock on this door. Some, I've noticed this, some like to use knocking as their very first step. All right, there's a need, there's something that needs to be done. You know what I'm going to do? They kind of, they kind of like change some letters here. And so for them, it's K-A-S. It's knock, ask, and seek or something like that. Where it's like, okay, I see there's something that needs to be done. Well, time to pull on, you know, uh, pull myself up on my bootstraps and make this happen. It's the American way. Let's do it. Uh, in that way, the American way is not the Christian way because the Christian way is you first humble yourself and you ask. You don't first do, you first ask. And here's the danger. The danger is when it's something where it's like, well, I can just go do that. Even more so, you should ask. And you know, if it is something God wants you to do, you'll just get confirmation fairly quickly as you seek it and then you'll be able to knock, you'll be able to do what you need to do, right? I just want us to make sure we don't put knocking first. Because as Christians, we can just go, well, I'm just going to knock on every door then. I'm just going to keep knocking and whichever one opens there, I did my job. Well, hold on a second. You didn't humble first and ask God. And remember, there's an enemy that can go, hey, sure, you want to, you knocked. You're knocking on every door. One of them's going to open up. And it, it may not be God who's opening up that door. Here's something else I want to tell you. Closed doors are good things. Closed doors are good things. Here's why. A closed door will focus you and funnel you in the direction of God's will. If you have all these options, how do you know what God's will is? Well, God's going to help you. He's going to help you by closing some doors or having some doors that won't open for you. It opened for this other Christian. How come it, how, how come I wanted to? How come I wanted to be married to this person? I don't, I don't. God's like, trust me, 20 years down the line, you'll thank me. But no, you don't see it now. At your 20th reunion, you'll figure out why I kept that door closed, right? How many times have we, we wanted something and we've gone to a door in life and God's closed it and at the time we were upset at him? Only in hindsight to look back and go, thank you, God, that you closed that door. You funneled me in the direction of your will. Closed doors are good things. You know, Paul, he was a man who just loved God and he had had his life radically changed for God. And so he started to leave, well, Jerusalem, where a lot of the believers were, and he started to go out into the known world. People who didn't, had, had never heard of Jesus. And as he's going, he comes to uh, Turkey, modern-day Turkey. In the Bible, modern-day Turkey is referred to as Asia. It's not the continent of Asia as we know it. It's Turkey, primarily. So he's there in the modern-day Turkey, and he wants to share the gospel, share the good news of Jesus here. But something very interesting happens. Acts 16, verse 6 through 10 on your screen, you'll see it say, and they went through the region of Perga and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Wait, what? God, the Holy Spirit, forbid them to speak the word? The word is a good thing. 
But to forbid to speak the word in Asia, yeah, sometimes God closes doors. And it's not because the action is a bad thing. I mean, sharing the word, the gospel in Turkey is not a bad thing. But for Paul, it wasn't the right thing. And so how did God help Paul? He closed the door. So much so that we see the words, he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. And every time I think in his prayers, or as he started to, he was asking, and then as he was seeking, he felt some resistance. And then as he was knocking, the door was just closed. It wasn't available to him. Okay, well, I guess that's where we just get all sad and depressed because God just closes doors and he just wants to make our life miserable. No, look. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So they tried again in another location in the area there. More resistance. Wow, we got the Holy Spirit forbidding. We got the Spirit of Jesus not allowing. It's like God doesn't want me to... He loves you. He's funneling you. He's directing you in the direction you should go. So let's see what happened after these closed doors. After a closed door, you know what happens? An open door. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. He has a dream. So after these closed doors, which can be frustrating, we have to admit, closed doors are frustrating and we can sometimes start to question God, which we shouldn't, but we do. And then a vision, a dream comes to him and there's this man from the area of Macedonia. Come over here, we need help, come help us. Wow. Asking, seeking, knocking. And then a door opens. I want to show you the map here, just so you can get a little perspective of Paul. So he starts out in Jerusalem and the the area that was forbidden to him is in the red, what they called Asia in that time, like I said, Turkey. He was forbidden and as he tried in multiple places there, God closed the door. Why? Because God hates Paul? No, because God loves Paul and God has something in store for Paul and it's in Macedonia. A closed door led to an open door. So in your life today, maybe you're experiencing a closed door. I want you to know the closed door is not the end. The closed door is funneling you. What? To God's will. If you're praying, God, show me your will, it's going to involve some closed doors. It is. It's not like every door suddenly opens up. That's confusing. Then how do you know which one you go into? You know when you know what God's will is? When there's only one door left. Then you don't have to go, I wonder what I should do for God. Oh, there's only one door. And then you say, God, thank you for closing all the other doors so that I would know what your will is. And you know, so he ends up in Macedonia, and because he ends up in Macedonia, he goes to a a city called Philippi. I was thinking, first time I'd ever really considered this, had he, you know, what if if Paul forced it? What if Paul forced it and said, no, I'm supposed to be in Asia. I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to make it happen. You know what he would have done? I think, I think there would have been some success, if you will. I think there would have been those that would have come to know Jesus as the word is being taught. But I think Paul would always be fighting it. And at the same time, I wonder what would have been happening out here in Macedonia. This is the thought that came to my mind. That city of Philippi, maybe if Paul wasn't obedient to God, we wouldn't have the book of Philippians. Do you know how many great verses are in the book of Philippians? We wouldn't have the book of Philippians because Paul would have been like, I'm not going over there to Macedonia. I'm in Asia. I know what I'm supposed to do. Here's another book that we may not have. We may not have the book of Corinthians first and second because the city of Corinth is over here. 
I wonder how many open doors God has for us, but first we experience the closed doors. And maybe you're standing at a closed door and you're crying before a closed door and you're yelling at a closed door in your life right now. And God's saying, keep moving. The funeral is over. The door is closed. Keep moving. The tears have been shed. You've pounded enough. Ask God to give you direction and stop staring at the closed door. So, okay, ask, seek, and knock. Are you in Matthew chapter 7? Let's look at a few more verses here. So we read all about that. And then, and then to try to illustrate this point that God is not trying to jip you out of something. God doesn't hate you. He's not trying to make it hard for you to find him. Look what he says. Jesus says, verse 9, Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Uh, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? What a horrible dad that would be, right? In a parallel passage, in the Gospel of Luke, there's one more example given, and here it is in Luke 11, verse 12. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. And I think some of these ideas is, you know, bread, giving somebody a stone when they're expecting bread. Well, maybe a piece of bread, uh, a stone can look a little bit like a piece of bread from a distance. Or maybe from a distance, a serpent could look like an eel or some type of fish. Or maybe from a distance, um, a scorpion rolled up or in some type of a bundle could look, look like an egg. I guess it's this idea. What's the point? God is not trying to fool you by giving you something harmful. He's not, he's not that kind of a dad. He's not the kind of dad where like, dad, I just, oh, I have this need in my heart. I have this emptiness. I have this struggle. He's not the kind of dad that's like, oh, you have a struggle? I'm going to give you something harmful. He's not that dad. That's the point of what Jesus is saying here. There is somebody who's like that. There is somebody who disguises something harmful and makes it look good. That's the devil. Let's not confuse the devil with God our Father. They couldn't be further apart. And Jesus is saying, God is not like that. He loves you. Every closed door is another sign of, listen, His love for you. He loves you enough that he closes doors that would be harmful for you or would waste your time. Our lives are short. He doesn't want you to waste time trying to open a door that is closed to you. I come back to this image in my head. Are you standing in front of a closed door? And you've been in front of it for a while. Keep moving. The open door is not that one. Keep moving. You know, um, Jesus says this in verse 11. So we're still reading in Matthew chapter 7, verse uh, 9 and 10. Here's 11. If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Oh, well, this is great. Verse 11. Those who are evil. That must be talking about non-believers. Remember, this Sermon on the Mount is a sermon to believers. Oh. So Jesus is saying, compared to the perfect heavenly father, every human earthly dad is, relatively speaking, evil. Including this one. I have to say, like the first time I had read that, you know, years ago, I was like, I was a bit offended going, I'm not evil. Listen, compared to a perfect heavenly father, yeah. Oh, humans are are innately good. You haven't read the Bible. Is that's not what the Bible says. 
the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The world will tell you the opposite. Hey, we're relatively good. We just have a little bit of issues. God says you got major issues and you need me. So here Jesus says, if then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, imperfect dads can give something good to their kids, how much better can a perfect, all-knowing heavenly father give to his children? That's the person you're talking to when you pray. Which means you and I should go into prayer expecting our heavenly, perfect, all-knowing, all-loving dad to not only answer the prayer according to his will, but that it would blow us away the way he answers it. So you go into prayer with expectation, not, oh, well, I hope you can do it if you can. I think you're powerful enough. I think you want to. That's a faithless way to pray. You, when you come to your dad, go, you can do anything. And I think this is what you want. So I'm just going to ask you, dad. But here's the thing, dad, you pick, because I know you pick the best. You close whatever doors you want for me. You open whatever doors you want for me. Dad, I cannot wait to see what you have in store for me. That is a prayer of passion and power. I ask you this question because I ask myself this question. Do you pray with passion? Are you very matter of fact? God, these are needs. This is what needs to happen. Can you take care of that? Thank you. It's almost like this like formal business transaction. It's your dad. You can call out to him. You can cry to him. You can even yell if you need to. I'm mad at you. I don't understand what you're doing. Why are you? But when I ask you, do you have passion? I don't mean volume. Because let's admit, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who are just like, Heavenly Father! Like They're just like going for it, right? Praise the Lord. God makes us all with different styles. That's not what I mean when I say passion. When I say passion, I'm not talking about volume. I'm not talking about how animated you are. Heavenly Father! Like, you know, Great. We have brothers and sisters that do that in Christ. That's fine. That's not what I'm talking about when I say passion. I mean in your heart. Do you pray like you believe that your dad loves you? Do you pray with expectation that he's going to answer the prayer in the best way possible? In a way better than you can even put into human words. I want to encourage you like I was trying to encourage myself while I was studying. Jim, pray with passion. Pray, expecting God to answer you. You know, here's the other thing I noticed is um, uh, kids ask a lot of stuff. I have four kids and one, two, two of them are here right now. The other two are in kids ministry. They ask a lot of stuff over the years, a lot of stuff. And, it, you know, it, it's all across the board as to, you know, what, you know, what that would be. Uh, I don't think you've asked yet when you'll drive or when you'll get one. No, they haven't asked that question yet. But, you know, could you imagine, like, let's say our youngest right is nine. And if our nine-year-old was like, hey, dad, so can I have the keys to the car? Should I just take it around the block real quick? Well, I'm a loving dad, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> right? So that statement right there that I just said, that makes sense to us, right? Of course. You're not going to give your nine-year-old the keys to the car because he thinks it's a good idea. So then let me ask you this. Why are we so troubled when our Heavenly Father says no to us when we, His child, asks Him for something that we don't even know or realize is not beneficial and might even be harmful for us? Sometimes we're asking God for the keys to the car and we don't even know how to drive yet in, in the sense of what we're praying for. And then when God says, Child, no. <laughs> we put a temper tantrum on. You don't love me. 
if you loved me, that would be like my child going, if you loved me, you'd give me the keys to the car at the age of nine. No, the, the fact that I love you is shown by me not giving you the keys to the car. You know, that's why I'm saying closed doors are a sign of love from God. He loves you. That's why he closed the door. Don't be mad at him for loving you. Don't be mad at him for not allowing you to do something that you don't even realize with your childlike perspective. I have the same thing. Compared to God, I am just an infant. He knows things and he can see the timeline of my life. So there's things that honestly don't make sense to me. But I have to, by faith, believe that it makes perfect sense to my heavenly Father. God, you pick. You know what's best. Um... We should pray prayers of faith like that. I want to I want to uh, read you a story, and this is from Doctor Doctor Helen uh, Rosevere, and she passed away just two years ago. She was a missionary to the Republic of Zaire, and uh, she committed her life to the people of Africa, and specifically to um, orphanages uh, and to hospitals. She loved mothers and babies. Here's a story. As she recalls, Dr. Helen Rosevere says, a mother at our mission station died after giving birth to a premature baby. We tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, which is premature, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. How low in resources to have a, they couldn't even find a water bottle to hold hot water. So during devotions that morning, we asked the children to pray for the baby and her little little sister who was now an orphan. So there was a premature baby and now a little sister that was a little older and the mom had passed away. One of the girls responded, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. And dear Lord... Send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That afternoon, that afternoon, a large parcel arrived from England. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing right now. Uh, Eagerly, the children opened the package. Much to their surprise, under some clothing (laughs) was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to delve deeper, exclaiming, if God sent that, I'm sure he sent a doll. And she was right. The Heavenly Father knew in advance of the child's sincere requests. How far in advance? Five months in advance. God had led a ladies group in England to include both the hot water bottle and the doll of these specific requests. Do you pray like God will answer? Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock. Stop praying faithless prayers. Stop praying prayers like, well, I know as a Christian I'm supposed to say something, so I'll say something. God can tell insincerity. An insincere prayer is offensive to God. He wants to exceed your expectations. But how is that possible if you never first ask, seek, and knock? Um, boy. Don't stop praying. 
pray expecting an answer. I want to show you the picture of Jeff Woodkey. And I want to give you some news. We've been praying for Jeff Woodkey for 20 months now. Um, this was a news article that was released June 7th of just a few days ago. U.S. missionary captive for 20 months is alive, reports the president of Niger. A U.S. missionary kidnapped in Niger in October of 2016 is alive, according to the West African nation's president. So the president of this nation is is giving word that Jeff Woodkey is alive. Jeff Woodkey uh, worked for a branch of a U.N. youth with a mission. He was abducted by unknown assailants late in the evening of Friday, the 14th of October, 2016, from the town of Abalak in northern Niger. Um, We have some news. Here's a quote. We know they're alive, the president said. We continue to create the conditions for their release. Perhaps the contacts that are underway will help achieve the goal. This is the first proof of life since the kidnapping. People have been praying and praying and praying. And you know, sometimes you go, well, should we keep praying? If we're going to deal in the reality of our world, well, maybe Jeff is already in the presence of Jesus. Maybe he has been for months and months. Maybe we should just stop. You don't stop praying. You don't stop praying. You keep praying. And you know this, thank you, Lord, for this news. Thank you, Father, for letting us know. And okay, good. Now do we stop praying? No, we keep praying. And we're not just praying for Jeff. We're praying for the captors that are stuck with Jeff. What? That's the way this actually works. They're stuck with Him. And Jesus, who goes with Him, the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that's with Jeff. Maybe there's some folks in your life you stop praying for. You stop praying for your parents. You stop praying for your kids. You're like, it's been too many years and what are the odds? And you say that, what are the odds? You stop that. You stop talking like that. Because when you start talking like that, you're talking as if you have a God who is not powerful. You keep praying. You keep asking. You keep seeking. And you keep knocking. The thing with the words there in the original language of this verse, asking and seeking and knocking, they're in this form. We have past, present, future tenses in the English language. The Greek language has lots of different tenses that a word can be in. The words for ask, seek, and knock are in this tense. They're in the present, imperative, continual tense. That's a lot of words. Here's what it means. It's the way you would write it in Greek or say it in Greek if you meant now do this, do it with all your heart, and don't stop doing it. That's the way that the words are constructed in the Greek. So maybe a better English translation would be Jesus saying, keep asking and don't stop. Keep seeking and don't stop. Keep knocking and don't stop. When do I stop? When you see Jesus face to face. You and I should not stop praying. You and I should continue to pray fervently and expecting God to answer all the way up until you see him face to face. So, prayer is the right thing to do. This is the last verse, okay? I love this about Jesus. I love his heart. And I love his heart towards people. When I get to the last book of the Bible and I get to the book of Revelation, I, I see this picture in my mind as I read these words 
of Jesus. And hear the words of Jesus in the book of Revelation. Revelation 3.20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. You know what I love about Jesus? Jesus is bold and persistent. Jesus is bold and persistent in my life until the point where I recognize my need for him. It happened in my 20s when I was at college. And I'm so thankful that in all those years before, he was just at the door of my heart, knocking. Jim, I love you. Hey, you don't know everything. No, you still don't know everything. You need me. Open the door. I need you to know this, that Jesus is knocking on the door of every person who's not a believer in this planet. Every single person. Some of them you know personally because they're in your family or they live near you. And I think about this. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. If you open the door, we'll have a meal together. We'll be friends. We'll be family. I want to be your fa- I want to be part of your family. I want you to be a part of my family, but you have to open your door. The knob is on the inside. You need to open it to me. If Jesus is that bold and persistent with everybody in this world, I ask you this question. How bold and persistent should we be with the people of the world? If Jesus doesn't give up until a person's last breath, he continues to knock until the last opportunity that they have on this planet. How much should we as followers of him give to people that he's put in our life? I understand what it's like to have a parent that you have a hard time ah, praying for. I don't yet understand what it's like to have a child that's rebellious and you're praying for. But I know this, God is still knocking on their door. Shouldn't you? Don't stop praying. Don't stop asking. Don't stop seeking. Don't stop knocking. You know, if you're here and you're not a Christian, that verse that that was on the screen, that last one, that's Jesus speaking to you directly. He loves you. He's knocking on your door. This is one more opportunity for you to hear the love of God. And your opportunity to open that door only is here in the short life that you have on this earth. That's the only time you can make this decision. I want to encourage you. I plead with you. Make the decision to open the door. You will not regret opening the door to Jesus and having him come and live in your heart. Let's bow our heads. Worship team's going to come up here. I'm going to say a prayer. And This is uh, for those of you who aren't believers. And there may not be anybody in this building at this moment, but there are those listening on the radio right now or listening on the internet right now. I want you to know how much Jesus loves you. If you recognize the knocking and you recognize that it's for you and you recognize that you want to let go of pride and grab onto his hand, you're done just surviving in this world. You want to start thriving. You want to start living. You need Jesus. If you'd like to ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you have to do it personally. No one can do it for you. You have to want to. It has to be real. If you do, I encourage you to pray a prayer something like this. 
Dear God, I need you. I put down my pride to reach for your hand. I can't do this by myself. I need your help. I want your help. Jesus, save me from myself. I believe that you died on a cross, Jesus, so that I could be right with God. I receive what you did on the cross for me. I thank you that you have forgiven me of all of my sins. I receive that forgiveness. I ask that you would change me from the inside out and that I would walk in a way that would be pleasing to you, Father, and that would be a blessing to the people around me. Thank you for giving me a choice. Thank you for coming into my house. I love you, Jesus. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, if you happen to be a person in this room today and you prayed that prayer to accept Jesus into your heart, I want to ask you to do something. You're in a room of people that love the Lord and love you. Not going to embarrass you, but would you stand up for just a moment just so I could see and pray for you? Is there anybody in here that asked the Lord into their heart this morning? Okay. Father, we thank you for the work that's been done, the work in your word and the work done by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for the work that's done in ways we can't see. For those on the radio, those on the internet, if you did receive Christ, just know we're praising the Lord for what he's done in your life. And we're praying for you that you will plug into a fellowship of believers who love his word and love him and that you would grow. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering according to your will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, don't stop praying.